We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Blue Wire. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm with Jason Pat. Jason, this is our Pippin episode, episode number 33. Yeah, it is. Big, big time right here, number 33. Uh, big episode, kind of, I guess, was now got the draft lotteries done. Draft pick number seven. We obviously talked about that in our last pod. Now and then the scouting combine, the draft combine in Chicago. You, my friend, were there and uh, made some noise there in a, in a little picture with Larry Bird. How uh, speaking of thirty three, Larry Larry Bird jersey thirty three. Shout out to I think that was LFO. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, how was the combine, my man? Combine was pretty cool. Yeah, Larry Bird asked me to take a picture. He said he was a big <laughs> fan of SB Nation, and you know I thought I'd stop and. Take one for the readers. Uh, no, but it, it, that moment was really funny. My my phone just started blowing up because one of the Tribune photographers got just a funny picture of me walking behind Larry Bird. So it's Larry Bird in the foreground and me in the background. Uh, that was probably the highlight of my combine because otherwise what I try to do when I go there is talk to as many players as possible uh, in terms of like getting quotes for potential stories I'm going to do. So like I had a long talk with uh grant williams i talked to nazir little a little bit uh i talked to jalen lequeux who's the high school player who's thinking about uh going as a fifth year guy into the nba uh without going to college at nc state so you know that part was it's okay i mean uh it's such a chaotic scene back there with like tv cameras trying to get interviews with guys i don't have you ever covered it before i I have not yeah it's it's fun to do but like it's not the best setting for like getting great stuff because yeah more of a rat race than uh, there's like so many people there yeah exactly uh yeah not not really a place where you can really like develop personal connections but uh i did get some some good quotes from some guys it was a fun event uh, obviously the combine is crazy because everywhere you look, it's just like famous people. Like you open a door and you walk inside and it's Masai Ujiri or, uh, you know, you turn the corner and you bump into Rick Carlisle. It's like the entire NBA is basically there. I remember last year Giannis was there because his brother, uh, Costas was going through the combine then. So, uh, it, it's a pretty cool event. Um, I, I, I would say I enjoyed it this year, but uh, you know, Zion didn't talk. Uh, John Morant, it was impossible to get to him. He was just surrounded by TV. Oh, yeah, I saw the huge um, crowds. You know, once again, NBA Draft Combine, like, 
not the same it doesn't have the same value as it does in the nfl right in the nfl like the combine is so important i do think there were a few guys who you know could be classified as winners and losers and uh overall it's always a fun event i'm happy to have it in chicago so winners and losers like you mentioned is there anybody who possibly around like the bulls or i guess just anybody in general who stood out or if there's anybody you think the could be in the bulls range uh First round pick, second round pick, anybody really, I guess, yeah, winners and losers, go for it. Yeah, well, you know, I think I, thought, I think a lot of that stuff is a little bit overblown. But, like, one guy who sure. opened from eyes to me was uh, Luka Semantic, who's a 6'11 dude from Croatia. He was the only international player uh, in the combine. And he, I knew that he had a reputation as being, like, one of the better shooters in this draft. He got on NBA radars early in his career because – uh, he played well in like FIBA tournaments against like USA basketball uh, in a lot of cases. So I, this was the first time I'd seen him in person and he was a lot like just bigger and more muscular than I would have imagined. His jump shot looks really good and he's super tall. He's six foot 11 dude who bombs threes. So uh, he was the one guy who really jumped out to me. Uh, and then, you know, LeCue was interesting too, because I had seen him on the EYBL circuit, the Nike circuit a year ago. He was someone who was a recruit. Uh, he basically went from like totally off the radar to a five star. He like, uh, you know, made one change in leagues. I think maybe he started playing on the Nike circuit after he wasn't on it. And he's so athletic that, uh, he immediately like, you know, raised some eyebrows and they elevated him to five star status because of that. Uh, he committed to NC State, and he's contemplating going into the draft as a fifth-year senior. He had a 43-inch vertical. He's just insanely athletic as a 6'3 point guard. He's pretty unpolished as a passer uh, and basically a non-shooter right now, but I thought he made some nice passes. He actually played in five-on-five, unlike Anthony Simons, who took the same path to the NBA last year. He was a first-round pick of the Blazers. Look, he was kind of interesting. He could maybe be a pick at 38. Uh, another guy who the Bulls had in yesterday was Shamari Pons, who's been a really great scorer for St. John's the last few years. He's like a 6'1 guard. His strengths and weaknesses are kind of similar to Kobe White's, but he's just he's much smaller. Uh, but the Bulls actually brought in Shamari Pons. I saw that on Instagram uh, for a workout. And he's, he's an intriguing player, too, because... He's so quick and shifty as a ball handler, and he shoots the hell out of it. Uh, the ideal comparison for him, the ideal role, is like a microwave scorer off the bench. The best of those guys being Lou Williams right now, obviously. Uh, but, you know, if the Bulls are looking for, you know, some shifty ball handlers who can get their own offense going and shoot from range, I think that Pons is another guy they'll consider at the 38th pick. Uh, nice. So I guess looking, you mentioned Kobe White, and I feel like that's been like him and Garland have obviously the Bulls need a point guard, Darius Garland. That's been popular names. We talked about them on their last podcast. Did either was did both of them? They le- both left the combine early, correct? Yeah, they. I don't think they went through with any. Well, they definitely didn't go through with any of the the physical stuff. Uh, I think Kobe White got measured because I saw that his wingspan was shorter than his. Height. Oh yeah, it was like six three, six four, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so the speculation is that those guys got draft promises. Right. And, uh, so I guess in that, wrote that in the Tribune this week. Yeah. So I guess like, it seems like they both possibly got promises ahead of the bulls. Cause again, bulls are number seven. Uh, there were rumors that like the Lakers might've d- d- given a promise that I think Garland or I think Kobe whites I saw was ahead of the bulls as well. I mean, you look at who's picking ahead of the bulls, like the Suns need a point guard. 
Uh, so I would assume that they're going to take one of those guys, whoever's available. Morant's going to go two. It looks like Zion, number one. Morant, probably two. That's already been reported to the Grizzlies. They'll probably trade, go to trade Mike Conley and take take John. Then after that, uh, so the Knicks will probably take Barrett, I would guess. Uh, and then at four, you got like I think the Lakers. I mean, even the Knicks are also just a wild card because who knows what happens with Anthony Davis. Uh, I guess who would you say would most likely be the the teams that would give a promise to the to guys like that? Yeah, I mean, the three teams I think you would look at are the Lakers, the Suns, and the Bulls. We know the Bulls gave Chandler Hutchison a promise last year around the same timeline, like is as it is right now, like you know around the combine. Uh, I think it it could potentially be the Bulls, even though what Casey has reported is that, uh, well, I, he reported he was the first person I saw that reported that Kobe White could have a promise before the Bulls. The Garland rumors have been out there, but no one knows who uh, gave him the promise. I don't know. It's kind of tough to figure out. To me, the Lakers pick is uh, there. It's like there's there's so many ways that that pick can go because. Obviously, their main intention is going to be to try to trade it for a proven player, ideally Anthony Davis. But even if the Pelicans won't trade him Davis, I think they're going to shop that pick for another young veteran. Uh, so it would seem weird to me that they would give out a promise. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Suns, like everyone knows the Suns need a guard. So the Suns are, I mean, I think they would take Garland or White if one of them are off the board. The question is... Uh, you know, will Garland fall to six so that White will still be on the board for the Bulls? Uh, or, you know, would they take White over Garland, leaving Garland for the Bulls? So, yeah, the Lakers really hold the keys to the draft. I don't know what to make of the promises. We know the Bulls did it last year. Uh, the thing about the way this draft broke down is it's just going to be tough for the Bulls with Phoenix having a similar needed guard, picking one spot ahead of them. Yeah, that is tough. And then, like, like was it the Cavs at five? Like, I... And they have Colin Sexton, but I, I don't know if they take another guard. I, I, I guess I would assume they would take a wing. They would probably go Culver or Hunter. Would you think that makes sense for them? Or I, or if they want to reach on Cam Reddish, I don't know. Or they could take Kobe White, too, if they see him as a two-guard. Yeah, exactly. Get uh, next to Sexton, maybe there's your promise. Uh, so I don't know. I think that yeah, you know, the best-case scenario for the Bulls would be Jarrett Culver falling to them at the seventh pick. And the scenario in which that happens is Zion goes one, Ja goes two, RJ goes three. The Lakers take Garland at four. The Cavs take uh, DeAndre Hunter at five. It's six. You have Kobe, Kobe White, White. Sons, and then that leaves Jared Culver to the Bulls at number seven. So uh, I don't know how likely that scenario is. I think that it, it's certainly possible, though, especially given that Culver doesn't seem like he's going to be a fit at number six for Phoenix because they want a guard. Uh, I think that would be a, a really good scenario for the Bulls. Best case scenario to me in this draft is Jared Culver falling to seven. Yeah, I mean, that, w- that would be really good. Obviously, the Bulls do need a point guard. They made a l- bunch about it. But Culver, I mean, considering I feel like smart, you've talked about it. I've seen a lot of other draft people talk about it, him possibly even being like the second best prospect in the draft. I know like he struggled at the end of that tournament with his shooting and his shot is questionable, but all the stuff I've read that would be Culver going to seven would be great. I think that's what, I think the athletic did a mock draft and I think that is what happened. I think Darnell took Darnell Mayberry of the athletic took Culver for the bulls at seven. I mean, I would, I would certainly be down with that. The bulls need two way wings. That's what Culver projects at. Even they can obviously get a point guard somewhere else in free agency. I guess that's this, that could be a good transition to uh, other point guard talk in terms of, 
free agency, there was a rumor, speaking of Darnell Mayberry as well, a new rumor, new fresh hot rumor off from the Athletic. Darnell Mayberry reported that the Bulls – let me go pull that pull that rumor up exactly, just the wording that these – the Bulls are interested in Terry Rozier, Boston Celtics point guard, uh, had had a tough season this year with the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics were kind of, kind of a mess in general. Uh, Rozier, of course, had the really nice playoff run last season when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward, uh, and then and he was the starter. Rozier went back to the bench and just really never got comfortable, and the Celtics really never had it. At the end of this season, Terry Rozier went on like a crazy – he went on like a media tour, media blitz on ESPN, and they basically was kind of airing out some dirty laundry of the Celtics. It almost seemed like he was trying to play himself away from Boston. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, so, yeah, this is from Darnell Mabry from The Athletic, uh, and he said, Aside from Patrick Beverly, Boston guard Terry Rozier is on the Bulls' radar, commanding Chicago's attention with fearless play and hard-nosed defensive effort. Inside the Advocate Center, there's genuine belief that Rozier could be exactly who the team needs. Chicago could make a run at the restricted free agent this summer, but it's unclear who holds the edge between Rozier and Beverly and the organization's wish list. Rozier is six years younger, making him a more ideal fit with the current building box. I know we've talked about Beverly a bit, Chicago guy, hard-nosed defender, rugged guy. We saw him play pretty well in the playoffs with the Clippers. I feel like that would make a lot of sense if they're going the veteran or not. Cherry Rozier is a bit younger, as he mentioned, six years younger. I believe he, he's actually, I think, one day apart uh, age-wise with Chris Dunn. I think they both have like mid-March birthdays, and they just turned 25 this year. Uh, what do you make of this rumor that the Bears like oh, – the, that the Bears, the Bulls like Terry Rozier? Yeah, really bizarre to me, and I sort of get what the Bulls are thinking. They want to get a young player at that position who they think uh, you know, can grow with the rest of the core, but what everyone's going to say, is Terry Rozier even better than Chris Dunn? Right. Our boy Mark, who also has the pod on Blue Wire, Bulls HQ, he tweeted the stats, uh, and they're remarkably similar between Chris Dunn and Terry Rozier. Rozier's one uh, big advantage is just his three-point rate. Uh, Three-point attempts, he was averaging 8.6 per 100 possessions compared to 3.5 for Chris Dunn. And Rozier hit 35% of his threes. Rozier was just a miserable scorer from two-point range this year, though, only 40%. Uh, Obviously, he was sort of a breakout guy a year ago when the Celtics entered the playoffs. Kyrie Irving got hurt. Rozier suddenly elevated to being this, like, fearless defender who would kickstart them in transition and... Uh, who had a lot of scoring ability off the dribble. He really sort of regressed this year, I think. And to me, uh, that's not the guy I would hitch my wagon to if I'm the Bulls, because I think that, you know, while he has some strengths and weaknesses, like he's just not a good lead decision maker. Like Chris Brown had nine assists per 100 possessions. And Terry Rozier averaged 5.7. I would love Lonzo if those rumors could somehow be true. Because I think the type of point guard the Bulls need looks a lot more like Lonzo Ball than it does Terry Rozier. Rozier, while he does have talent, what the Bulls need is like a pass-first guy who can sort of get everyone going in the offense so that it doesn't descend into like a my turn, your turn with Zach Levine. Uh, you know, taking up most of the possessions. They really need someone to get them to play cohesively, the Bulls do. And Terry Rozier is just not like a great floor general in the classic sense. Uh, so I don't like that rumor if I'm the Bulls. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I was pretty outspoken against it. Like I, I said that like if it was like a one-year deal, it's like give him a chance. Like I guess I could see it taking a chance. I mean, 
Tan- I mean, he's not even that young. He's 25. He's the same age as Chris Dunn. And a lot of people made a big deal about the, his big playoffs. And, like, he was pretty good. He had some really nice games. But if you look at the numbers, like, he still weren't that great. He shot barely over 40%. He hasn't shot over 40% uh, in a season in his four-year career. Like, he's never done it. He's been under 40%. And his overall efficiency, the, his decent three-point shooting helps prop it up a little bit. And his, you mentioned the three-point rate. But he doesn't get to the line much either. That's a big issue with Chris Dunn. Uh, in terms of you mentioned like the decision making as like a lead passer, I know he doesn't turn the ball over much, but in terms of just like creating for others, it's not that great. I think his defense from I, I I can't say that I've watched a lot of Terry Rozier play defense, but from what I was gathering on Twitter, like a lot of Celtics fans were kind of mocking the Bulls for 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 that comment about like his hard nosed defensive effort. Like oh, who would Terry Rozier is that? From what I've recalls that he like he can bring it once when he wants to but like it's not always there the effort wasn't always there he did in his career his numbers have been better as a starter even in the regular season as well as shooting just in general is better it seems like he just never was able to find a rhythm I guess off the bench playing behind Kyrie and I know he really struggled to start his career and like you mentioned like the Bulls can either I feel like at point guard they either need a dude that can like, like you said like a night a good pass really good playmaker like a, I guess three and D type play type guy, I guess, or they need just a complete stud at, at point guard. And I feel like Terry Rozier seems like a guy who thinks he's really good, but he wouldn't be. So he could be a guy you mentioned the your turn, my turn, like where he's just out there, like just jacking shots, taking it away from other guys when he's just not good enough to do that. Like I would totally be fine with the score first point guard. If he was like a legit bona fide star, I feel like Terry Rozier is not that, but he might think he's like that. So I definitely would have my hesitation. Like, long-term deal like I just I just couldn't see it like I just don't think that'd be the right the right play I'd rather go for I'd rather I guess go for a stopgap and maybe kick the can down the road rather than committing long-term uh long-term materials here I just like I said I just don't think he's that good at basketball and I think he probably thinks that he's good at basketball I don't know yeah for me it would be emblematic of a problem the Bulls front office always has which is that they overvalue the guys that they liked in the draft, even if they haven't really shown much uh, in their short pro careers. I remember writing at the time, it was the year the Bulls drafted Portis, that I thought they were going to take Terry Rozier. I think there was just like some buzz around uh, that in general. And I remember tweeting about it a few times, uh, thinking the Bulls would take Rozier. Rozier ended up going higher than Portis. He went with the Celtics pick, which was 16, 16, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was considered a big shock to a lot of people. Obviously, uh, you know, he he delivered on the value of that pick, I think, just with the way he played for them last season when Kyrie went down. But, uh, yeah, it's like Rogier has some obvious holes. They probably liked him in the draft, which is the same reason they got Jerry and Grant, you know, long ago, because they liked him in the draft. Was that the year? Um, was he... Oh no, this was totally different. I'm trying I'm trying to think. Was it, Who's he 2015 or 2016 draft? He's 2015... He was the same year as Portis. Okay, I can't remember. Was there was I can't remember if that was the year where like the Bulls were talking about when going back to like thinking about trading Jimmy, uh, and like they were talking to the Celtics. I couldn't remember if that what like that draft pick was one of the like pieces involved. I can't remember exactly, but I don't know, that's completely besides the point. But yeah, just like I like you mentioned like just the whole thing about being like, is he actually better than Chris? Like, would you rather hitch like a three year deal? I think he's a restricted free agent, assuming the Celtics don't just like cut bait and like make him unrestricted. Has to be two years with no options. And then I would guess like a deal would look something like a three year deal, maybe like a team option. Uh, Unless I guess somebody else wants to take a big chance on him. I just don't think he's really done that. But like you mentioned, just like the numbers, just 
they're so similar besides like the three point rate and stuff like that. Like Chris Dunn's true shooting percentage, 47.5% for his career. And Terry Rozier's not even above 50, not even above fifties at 49. So it's like, I just feel like they need more efficiency. And like you said, more better playmaking uh, from, from that spot. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, not a huge fan. I, like I said, I, I would rather get a guy like Beverly and there's going to be other options out there as well. Uh, so I guess, I guess, I guess we'll see on that. Right. You mentioned, you, you mentioned the Lonzo thing. What, what, what about Lonzo? Would you, or what, I guess, what about Lonzo? Do you, would you like on the bulls? Just his whole, he was Lonzo's just a really, he's a really interesting just prospect. He's been hurt. I feel like he's had the injury problems like Chris Dunn. His, sh- his shot is ugly. His free throws are ugly. Like it's three point shooting. I'm pretty sure is it's okay. It's kind of been hit or miss, but it's not terrible. And he sh- and he's willing to shoot the threes. Uh, playmaking was obviously the big thing coming out of UCLA. Just a great playmaker, great instincts for the game. Just what would you really like about Lonzo and the Bulls if they were able to pursue a deal like that? Yeah, I like Lonzo in general. Uh, he hasn't really been able to show what he could do in the NBA, in my opinion. For one, because of the durability issues, as you mentioned, and also because the Lakers have just been a disaster in his two years in the NBA. They're as poorly run as the Bulls at this point, uh, which we know is just the most humiliating thing that can be said about a front office. Uh, I like Lonzo because I think that he is a really smart, brilliant passer. And like uh, on a Bulls team that doesn't really have any good passers or any good decision makers, I think that you know Lonzo would immediately become the guy who would just like get the offense going. I think he would kickstart it with outlet passes, which he was always known for early in his career. Uh, I like his ability to push the ball up the court and transition. I think that having a guy like Zach Levine would be a great backcourt partner next to Lonzo because Lonzo is big. He's a great, just like big play defender. Like he's so good roaming off the ball, uh, getting blocks and steals. I think that he'd be a really good help defender next to Zach Levine in the backcourt. And then offensively, he'd be the type of guy who could like unlock Levine's best self, I think, because he'd be able to, you know, hit him with passes to take him away from situations where he's over dribbling. Uh, Like the offense would have some motion to it with Lonzo at the point, I think, unlike, you know, when it stalls when they're when Levine's the main ball handler. So I would love Lonzo if they could trade the seventh pick for Lonzo ball. I would totally do it. Uh, and then the idea would be the Lakers would use that seventh pick to put in a package for Anthony Davis. I don't find it like realistic, really. Because, yeah. First of all, the Pelicans are just not going to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Gail right, that's what it seems like. Body. Will that happen? So, uh, and then I don't know if the if the Bulls could get involved even in a three team trade uh, with Anthony Davis and you know get either a better draft pick or like get some draft compensation or get a young player like Lonzo. I totally do it. And uh, that is something they should be looking for, but the Bulls front office won't do it because they're too lazy. <laughs> I know uh, Casey, I feel like specifically brought up when he was talking, he did a whole piece at the tri- Tribune uh, just about the point guard situation, about the options. I know he brought up specifically like Chris Dunn and the number seven pick for Lonzo. And like, that's not realistic. Uh, because he was also talking about just how Chris Dunn's like trade value is low to non-existent was the way he put it, which it, I mean is not a surprise. He's a 25 year old point guard who's got one year left on his rookie deal, and he really hasn't shown anything much besides being occasionally hitting Billy shots and being a decent defender. So like I feel like yeah, that probably isn't a realistic deal to make. Uh, yeah, I, was Lonzo, Lonzo's what 21 still only right? I mean he's so he's so young, like he's, he's so smart for his age. It'd be nice if he could. Stay healthy, develop that jumper a bit more. Like just 
ideally if like if he even got okay at, sh- at shooting and the way you mentioned this, this with Levine you mentioned like the uh, the, the transition stuff I feel like would be great with Lowry with Levine with Lonzo pushing pace and stuff like that I mean I, that sounds that sounds really interesting yeah Lonzo's 21 he'll be 22 basically the start of next season and he's six and the defense as well six six could be a really solid defender and the Bulls need help defensively like it definitely is something that would be interesting to look into uh yeah I just, I just don't know if, you mentioned the Lakers, like, and the Pelicans not trading the Lakers. Like, the, the Lakers are just such an incredible shit show right now. Like, Mad, Magic Johnson just go, raining hellfire all over first take uh, earlier this week, just basically airing out all that dirty laundry and just all just a complete hot mess. Like, I'm really curious to see what they do if they can if they pull off a big any big trades, pull off any big moves because I don't know, it is just a mess. And I'm cu- and I'm really curious like what, how they feel about Lonzo at this point because. He has been injured all this time. Like the, the team was disappointing this season. Uh, there's the Lavar stuff. Just he he hasn't been that huge of a distraction, but I mean, he still spouts off sometimes. Like, like what what do you think the Lakers even think about him? Like, I I honestly don't know. He's kind of an enigma. And he's kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah, uh, like I said, I've always been a Lonzo proponent. I think he'd be a good fit in the backcourt with Levine, and uh, I think he would fix a lot of what the Bulls really lack just in terms of playmaking on this team. But uh, like you said, I don't really think it's a realistic trade to get him to Chicago, uh, m- maybe if they get involved in the three-way. Yeah, got to love those three-ways. Um, I think that's basically all for us right now. you have any, any other spare thoughts from the Combine? Any good stories? Any other... Any, anything else like that? Uh, not too much. I think, you know, my just general draft thoughts right now is that the Lakers hold the keys to the yeah. whole draft at number four, which was a story I wrote on SB Nation. Uh, you know, if we're talking about the best case scenario, in my opinion, which is Jared Culver falling to seven, he would give the Bulls just a really smart two-way player who has some ability to create his own shot. I would run him at point guard if they drafted him. Interesting. Uh, because that's the role he really played at Texas Tech this year. As a freshman, he was played off the ball exclusively. And uh, this year at Texas Tech, he was the offensive initiator. He isn't like, uh, you know, a natural... He's not a great shooter. That's like right. a big goal in this game, right? So like, he lacks the pull-up jump shooting ability. Uh, not even great as a catch-and-shoot guy. But I do think he can like run a pick-and-roll and make a good decision in it. He was good in those situations, according to the Synergy stats, uh, during his year at Texas Tech as a sophomore. So I think like you just can't get enough high IQ two way players, like especially a guy like that who's and strong. The Bulls just haven't had that. Yeah, good length. Like even though he doesn't like naturally fit into what a lot of people think the narrative of the rebuild is, which is oh we're only missing the point guard and then we're set. Yeah. We position. Sp- speaking of that, John, John, yeah. Paxson literally said that uh, I think it was the Ro- in the Rozier piece, uh, or it was just a, a big piece about Chris Dunn that Darnell wrote that the Rozier stuff was in. He was Paxson said like after the lottery, like oh we're you know we're pretty set at two, three, four, and five. Just we need that point guard, and that then we'll be great. Paxson is so full of shit. The biggest problem with the team is that the depth was so terrible because Paxson has been bringing in. Uh, clown car of idiots over the last like three or four seasons like he was counting on jerry and grant cameron Payne uh to be his depth he signed felicio to the big contract he just totally mismanaged the back half of the roster uh which was a big reason why the bulls have been so garbage the last couple years so uh i mean 
I don't know. Like to me, you just gotta. The Bulls are not in a position to pass on the best player available. Right. I like Colbert yeah. because he's going to be good defensively. I think he has some value in terms of being able to create his own shot. His jumper is definitely a question mark. Uh, but I like giving, like putting the ball in his hands, letting him go to work. Uh, you know, maybe there's a scenario in which he turns into kind of a new age Andre Iguodala, someone who, uh, you know, can make a play out of a pick and roll, push the ball in transition. Uh, also, his value is just like a finisher around the basket and is pretty good defensively. That might be a, a really high upside comp because Iguodala's peak athleticism like, is way, way higher. Yeah, and like borderline Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Iguodala's phenomenal. But I'm just saying like a sort, sort of a similar yeah. type of... A poor man's Iguodala. Yeah. Uh, and someone who, you know, would just have a lot of lineup versatility. And in my opinion, right. versatility is really the name of the game in today's NBA. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've talked about a lot. Just like the Bulls have not had two-way players. They've had decent guys who are good on one end, but not the other. And just when you when you lack those two-way players, it just creates so many holes in your lineup. And in the playoffs, we've seen just like how important it is to have two-way players. Because if you have a weakness somewhere, teams are going to hammer and hammer away at it. And like if you have those gaps, like, you're just not going to go very deep. Like, and the Warriors obviously just have incredible talent, but like all those, like Draymond, incredible two-way player. You mentioned Iguodala. Like, Clay is an awesome two-way player now. And like Steph, not a great. He's got his limits on offense, but like he he's a pretty good team defender, and he's got quick hands and stuff like that when he's not reaching like an idiot. So like, just having those two-way players and that versatility is huge. I'd, I agree with you. Like, I'd be totally. Ha- I know the point guard's the big story. I agree with you though, that I'd be totally happy with Culver after all the stuff I read. After I've watched him a few times. Said, I know he's got that the problem with the jumper, but the, we've really hammered the point home about just how the Bulls need smart two-way players who are just good at basketball. They need good basketball players who can play on both ends, and that would be pretty good. Um, all right, Ricky is going to get out of here now. We are going to welcome on a guest then, I'm, or I'll welcome on a guest, uh, Cody Westerlund from 670 The Score. He is the Bulls beat writer for them, does a lot of does a tons of great work. Cody's a really good guy, U of I guy. Shout out to the University of Illinois. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll we'll be, I will be chatting with him next. Uh, Ricky, take it easy. Thank you again, obviously, uh, for for uh, the great the great draft stuff. Uh, before we bring Cody on, though, we will take a word from our sponsor. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to Harry's.com/bluewire to save ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable pl- blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. And if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Welcome back to Cash Considerations. Uh, like I mentioned, Ricky had to leave us. He uh, had, had some stuff going on. But now we're going to welcome on a very special guest. Uh, Cody Westerlund of 670 The Score, great Bulls beat writer there, always uh, going all the games, covering the games, always puts out great content, gets a lot of good quotes, plenty of Jim Boylanisms. Uh, he was also at the Combine. Ricky was at the Combine. Cody was also at the Combine. So, Cody, welcome. Thank you for coming on. 
uh, I guess we could just dive right into the com- combine stuff. Uh, any 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 major takeaways there overall in terms of the Bulls? Any any guys you got to talk to? Uh, just anything anything interesting from the combine? Well, I would say actually the most interesting thing to me was uh, Cam Reddish speaking actually after his I guess you could call it a much maligned yes. freshman and long season at Duke in which he was kind of relegated to the third or fourth wheel on an otherwise terrific basketball team with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. He didn't, like, have any praise whatsoever for R.J. Barrett when he was asked a couple questions, actually, of him. So, like, if you're looking for, like, things I learned at the Combine, uh, obviously the top guys don't have uh, on-court work because they already have their stock um, plenty high as it is. But a lot of them will talk. And Kim Reddish had a lot of high praise for Zion Williamson, not so much for R.J. Barrett. Um, which I think kind of hints at what um, we've we've read or heard on the airways through the years as Duke played that season out, that this is a guy that never really felt comfortable there exactly where there's on the floor, off the floor, and is really looking forward to get to the NBA and showcasing more of his talent, more of his skills, and maybe having a coach and teammates that uh, better use him. Obviously, when you're 19 or so like he is um, and have that rookie season come in, like it's a it's a long learning curve, but I think that guy's eager at the next level uh, to prove what he can do. But I just, I just thought it was odd that like they asked him what was RJ like as a teammate. Oh, he's a good teammate. What was Zion? And then give like a forty-five second answer, and then just go on and on. So um, it, it really struck me uh, in an interesting way, and I do think that'll be something that NBA teams that are interested in him, and uh, certainly the Bulls are one that will do their due diligence. Uh, they're going to have to look into just what kind of teammate he is, how he how he felt about that season, and whether that was a mirage or whether that's what he is as a basketball player, where he's a little detached. So he has a lot to prove. Yeah, I feel him. like I I saw this. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, Mike Schmitz, who does great work, draft work at ESPN, was like tweeting Cam Reddish stuff, like how he, uh, I think he was just basically shooting and doing workouts, and how he looked so great, like how he's so talented. And then some other Twitter account tweeted about like Cam Reddish is going to be a star, looks awesome. It was the overtime account. And then I was just like reading through reading through some of the replies, and it was just funny to me because like it was all the stuff about how great Cam Reddish was. I'm like, I just, I, I, I have, I've been pretty outspoken about against him for a while. It was I besides Illinois basketball? Shout out to awful Illinois basketball. Duke is probably the team I watched most this year, so I got a good chunk of Zion, RJ, and Cam, and just like I kept waiting for Cam to just like show up because he was obviously highly recruited. There was one point where we thought it was going to be like RJ, Zion, Cam, or Zion RJ Cam just like it never really happened. He had a few good games. Like, do you, do you think just it was just a product of the college his and his team? Do you think he really can break out into a star player in the NBA? He seems like he seems like such an enigma. One uh, maybe a total boomer bust guy. Like, would you, what would you think if the Bulls took him? Like, do you think they actually would take him at number at number seven if he's there? Obviously, they have other they have more needs a point guard or depending on what other wings are out there. Like. What, what what do you make of him in general? Just like, do you think he'll be an NBA, be good, better in the NBA? Yeah, it's hard for me to project because I watched so much NBA over college. But I mean, uh, the the two point shooting percentage right. being percent yeah. and just his abysmal field goal percentage in general thirty five thirty six percent is really concerning because uh, there were plenty of opportunities to beef that up against poor competition at times as well, or in good situations when his teammates did create for him on a loaded basketball team. And you use the word enigma. I mean, uh, I don't think 
he's anywhere near the level of like Michael Porter Jr. But when you're looking at guys that are kind of an enigma um, through the years, like Porter comes last year with the injury concerns, like Cam Reddish in a way, even though he's completely healthy, is that guy this year. And I would actually have no problem with the Bulls taking him. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because last year in a deeper draft, they went the safe route with Wendell mm-hmm. Carter Jr. And a lot of people believe after the top three, some believe after the top four, um, it becomes a real crapshoot this year. So to me, uh, you can view that two, through two prisms, like just try to find a rotation player. You know what I mean? Because you're not finding a star in this draft. There's only three of them. Or you can view it, you know, it's not a good draft. You're not in the top three. You had your bad luck. So take your swing for a home run. Maybe not a home run here, but take a swing for an extra base hit on a prospect instead of going the safe route. And I think at some point in this Bulls rebuild, they do have to swing and take a little bit more risk um, on their team. I didn't have a problem passing on Michael Porter Jr. last year with those injury problems and adding Wendell Carter. Looks like he's going to be a solid basketball player. Um, but as you move forward, the plan can't just be, you know, add a veteran to do this, because unless that veteran's Kevin Durant, which we know it's not, um, you, you got to really ascend to that championship level, and you have to have someone um, go off and maybe not become Giannis, but someone that you didn't expect to be an all-star caliber player, become an all-star. And I think Cam Reddish has those physical tools, and it gets to the point where you have to believe in your player development system and your coaches um, to get him to that next level. And that says a lot about your organization as a whole. So I would have no problem if they drafted Cam Reddish at all because of those physical tools, and I think they do need to take risk at some point. But it also depends who's there. If you're asking me, Jarrett Culver versus Cam Reddish, if they both fall to seven, which – Probably won't happen, but could. Like, I'd still probably go the uh, Jarrett Culver route. But otherwise, I, I really don't have a problem with uh, taking Cam Reddish in a draft this year. That's kind of weak. I do understand that totally. I just like, I was just so just watching him. I, was like, I can't, I, I would, I would definitely be disappointed, but I do understand the rationale. Like, the Bulls, like, they're not good. They, they won 22 games this year. Taking a chance, I would get it. Like, I wouldn't feel confident about them developing him in their, whatever, their system or whatever, but I do get it. Uh, you mentioned Jared Culver. I know Ricky has talked a lot about Culver. He said he said that Culver would be like their best case scenario if if he fell to them. Uh, how, you said you'd obviously Culver over Reddish. How, how what do you feel about Culver? Do you share Ricky's thoughts about him being like the best case scenario? Him falling to seven. What, what do you make of Jared Culver? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be about as close to a best case scenario as they could get. I like him, um, and I like him because he's a two way player. And I, you come back to the point, like, is he all-star caliber? I don't know. Ricky has stronger beliefs on him than that. But, like, I'm completely in the camp of the Bulls just need a lot more yep. two-way players or better basketball players. And say what you want, but, like, Zach Levine's not that yet. Obviously, Chris Dunn hasn't been that for the past couple of years. Um, Otto Porter Jr., that's why they added him, because he can bring stuff to both ends of the floor, but Bobby Portis, that's part of the reason he's in Washington. The Jabari Parker experiment didn't work out. We know Denzel Valentine off the bench is not a difference maker whatsoever defensively. So they've got to get guys who can do more. I mean, we're sitting here watching Raptors, Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're not even talking Warriors or the West here yet. Just to compete at the highest level in the Eastern Conference, you've got to have two-way players. I mean, the Bucks are stacked with these guys. So uh, he'd be the three and D mold, the Jarrett Culver. And I feel like he could fit in right away. He'd probably be more helpful sooner than some of these other guys they could take who would be a little bit more projects and such. So um, I do think that's probably best case scenario. I also think he'll probably go in the top six and the Bulls won't have that option. 
But I like him because he can kind of create for himself, get in the lane, finish a little bit, and then uh, knock down some three-point shots. I mean, not off the dribble in a way that we see um, kind of the high-level teams play, but, you know, a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit more while bringing it defensively as well. Yeah, you talk about some of the other guys available, like – Bolt, big thing about the Bulls, they need that point guard. Uh, that's not the only thing that they're, they have issues with. But I know Paxson had that quote that Darnell Mayberry got that was like, uh, it's like the, we're pretty good at the two, three, four, and five, whatever. They need a lot more than that. But the point guard spot, do you like Darius Garland, Kobe White? Obviously, they're not going to get John Morant. I mean, it looks like right now Garland and White possibly also could go higher, but. If one of those two were to fall, do you have a preference there? I don't know enough about Garland, and I honestly didn't watch enough Kobe White either, to be honest. I don't have that strong of an opinion on either guy. I know Ricky did have uh, Kobe White going to the Bulls at number seven right, right after the lottery happened. So do you, what do you make of any of those guys? Do you get to see talk to any of them at the combine? I feel like they both left early. Uh, do you have a preference there? Yeah, we did talk to Kobe White, and, I mean, he said all the right things and everything that, He'd like to play in Chicago. He'd like to play pretty much anywhere that yes. drafts him. And he made the point, though, for example, North Carolina played basketball at such a pace and a style getting up and down the floor that they didn't do a lot of the things that NBA teams do in a half-court set, um, notably run a lot of pick and roll. So Kobe White there, I, I just think out of everyone the Bulls could draft, um, including Cam Reddish, I think Kobe White would have the biggest learning curve you have to have the most patience with him because not only does he not have or not only is he coming off that freshman season and not have all the experience in the style of the NBA at the collegiate level, but he's playing the hardest position to learn basically as an NBA rookie. Like it's almost equivalent to throwing a rookie quarterback out there in the NFL. Like you got to direct everything. The pace of the game is different. Um, all your new teammates and understanding getting on the same page with them. It's really difficult, whereas in a way you can just kind of throw, I mean, if they got Jarrett Culver out, trot him out, have him play defense, knock down some three-pointers, play within the system. Like when you're asking your point guard to initiate this, like they are the start of the year entire system at that point uh, in the half court. So uh, it would take a lot of time with him. Um, And that's, if he's the guy available, like if it goes Zion and then John Morant, RJ Barrett, and then um, Darius Garland and Culver and Reddish and those guys are gone and such, like, then you're at a spot where I'm looking like DeAndre Hunter's projected to go yeah. in the top 10 or top eight by most people. And then you're getting to the spot where like, do you believe in this long-term vision if you're the Bulls and draft Kobe White and give it a run, which I think they everything they do, and we can get, the, get to this in a second with trade possibilities, still needs to have the long-term focus. But if it's like Kobe White versus DeAndre Hunter, like if they draft DeAndre Hunter, to me it's like, you know, we want to win more quick. We want to win quickly so he can contribute next year. And then that too, to me, would tilt toward we got to compete next year for the seven or eight seeds, stuff like that, where Kobe White would take more time. And I'm all about the Bulls still having patience with this rebuild um, because I don't think any of this is a quick fix. None of these guys, as much as Larry Markinen is impressed, aren't coming along in an outrageous pace or anything. I mean, you look at Utah, Donovan Mitchell's already kind of like a bona fide star out there, you know? Um, someone coming along really quickly. But Lowry's coming on at a more deliberate pace, obviously, at injuries last year. But this is just the entire thing is a reminder of how much patience is going to be needed. And I have no problem with drafting a guy here that needs more patience. And you brought up, I guess, Kobe White versus Darius Garland. Haven't seen a lot of either, obviously, Garland because of the meniscus tear and missed most of his freshman season at Vanderbilt. I like about him, uh, if that does get to that point for the Bulls, is that everyone – 
Darius Garland's off-the-dribble shooting ability, which is something Kobe White doesn't have. Um, and I like that because, I mean, we see, obviously, it's Steph Curry's the um, one of the three greatest point guards, maybe second greatest point guard already in NBA history here, uh, his ability to shoot off the dribble. But we see that to a lesser extent with other teams like Jamal Murray can shoot off the dribble for the Nuggets. And that just changes the calculus of your offense having a lead ball handler who can do that at an efficient rate and such. So uh, that's why I'd be intrigued by Darius Garland um, is what the scouts praise him about just his off the bounce ability to create for himself. So that's appealing as well. I mean, I don't think they'll have a choice between both. Right. The choice might be made. I'm the, the number seven. Yeah. Player. I would assume one of those guys is at least gone. I mean, the Suns need a point guard. I mean, the, the Grizzlies will take Morant. And then I, I guess who knows what the Lakers are going to do. God knows what. Do you think there's any chance before we get – you mentioned trade stuff and we talked about winning quickly. Do you think there's any chance they trade up or down? What do you, well, and then we'll talk about other trades besides that. But up or down, do you think there's any chance they would try to go that route? I think they, they could try to trade down. I don't think they trade up because that just costs way right. too much draft yep. capital. And they don't, they don't have a lot of spare parts, by the way, of younger guys to just add – so it'd probably be a future first-round pick. I mean, just to just to move up a couple yeah. spots last year, remember the Mavs had to, um, to two spots to get Doncic, had to give up a first-round draft pick this year. That's just a bad idea um, for the Bulls. It's not something they really like to do a lot. I know they did it with Doug McDermott. <laughs> it, turned out, like, I, it was a real, real disaster. Um, I, I think they're probably a little hesitant about that. Moving back, yeah, like, I mean, John Paxson already talked about the tier system, and if they have guys that are rated similarly, similarly, they wouldn't be afraid to go for position um, over maybe the best pure talent in the same tier of players, which to me hints at, you know, if we can move back three or four spots or something, wouldn't have a problem doing it is kind of the um, frame of mind I see them looking at that uh, situation. But it's just, it's like, I don't think, in this draft, when it's weak like that, I don't think there's a strong desire by other teams to move up. Maybe that changes as we get closer to the draft, but it doesn't seem like there'll be quite as much action around that part um, when the draft isn't as deep. So uh, I could see them moving that pick for a player um, or trying to move back um, in some fashion, but I, I don't expect it. I wouldn't bet on it. So you talk about moving the pick for a player, uh, like a veteran. I know you tweeted about that right after the lottery happened since they fall back to seven and that Paxson was kind of hinting, maybe this is something we'll do. Are there any trades out there where you, where you would be down to trade number seven or something? I know one of the big things I wrote about this at Forbes. I know other people have written about it. The Mike Conley thing, the Grizzlies are going to draft John Morant. Conley's going to get traded. Is there any trade that you would be willing to make? Even not even seven, I guess. Like seven, I'm assuming the Grizzlies would ask for. But is there any trade at all you would make for Mike Conley? Uh, There's no trade that I would make for Mike Conley for the Bulls whatsoever at all. Uh, I don't think he fits the timeline. You mentioned that, so I figured I figured you were going to say that since you talk about patience and all that stuff. So I figured that answer was coming. But go ahead. Yeah. The, the money doesn't bother me. Like, whatever. The Bulls are in a rebuild. Who cares what happens with the money in the next two years? That's why I'm not concerned about, like, Chris Felicio's $8 million or whatever he's making a year. It's terrible money, but you're not winning in the next two years anyway. And I just – you cannot possibly start a rebuild from the ground up and say that you're prioritizing chasing championships and then a couple of years into it give up a number seven pick, which, again, it's a weak draft, I understand – but move that pick for the short-term goal of what's the ceiling with Mike Conley for this team. If everything went right, 
I guess maybe they're a five seed still or something. Like there's no way that team's getting past the second round of the playoffs still next year. Um, so that would make no sense. Like take the home run swing and hope that your player development system can help Cam Reddish become uh, a quality NBA starter um, with the long-term vision and ceiling that you don't have right now on this team. I, I just, the Mike Conley stuff makes no sense to me. I, I don't know how deeply um, they're seriously considering it, but like for John Paxson to come out on lottery night and say, like he basically unprompted said when he was just talking about the events of the night, like, oh yeah, we can do a lot with the number seven pick. You know, we can trade it. Don't, guys, don't forget, we can trade this pick. Well, <laughs> Hey, that's cool. If you want to trade for Lonzo Ball uh, and you're the Bulls, I think that that fits because, look, he's got, what, two years left on his rookie deal? Yep. And you can lock him up in restricted free agency for, like, another four years. That's a guy that fits your plan for six years. Mike Conley is not that. Um, you cannot, cannot um, sell your or mortgage your long term for the short term here just to chase a couple playoff games at home next year. It would tell – it would it would – really hurt the rebuild and it would say everything you need to know about how committed the Reinsdorfs are to the rebuild if they add Mike Conley because it wouldn't be very committed at all. I feel like it is a move. It would not surprise me, I feel like, if they did it. Uh, I guess same same note. I, I don't think Drew Holiday is going to be on the market. I think they're going to keep him. Would would you would that be the same boat for you? I know he's a few years younger. Uh, same boat on that. Just don't Basically, don't give up that seven pick for a veteran point guard. Is that what you're saying? Like, like you want a lot like Lonzo makes sense because he's young rookie deal, but basically Holiday Conley, none, nothing like that. Any other veteran point guard like that? It's a no. I I like Drew Holiday more than Mike Conley just because I think he's a better yeah. basketball player. And I'd I'd have to look. I don't know how many years does Holiday have left on his. I think contract. he's got next year, and then I, I think it's the same as Conley. I think like next year, and then like another like option the year. I think on the end of it. Yeah. I like him more again because he's younger, and I just think he's a better two-way player. Can do more for your team. Um, that that one I'd have to think about more. I haven't thought. I haven't thought deeply. I would still hedge toward no, though. I would understand it more, um, even though. Actually, hold on. Let me let me stop it there. He actually has next year twenty 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 one, and then another, and then an option twenty 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 one twenty two. So that'd be like I assume he's keeping that twenty seven million for twenty twenty one. So. I don't know if that would change your opinion on that, where it's basically going to be three more years after this. I mean, he is only, I think, I think he's 27, 28, so it's like through his prime. He's been mostly healthy lately. I know his, his season ended early this year, but like the last couple of years, he hasn't had as many of the knee problems, the leg problems that he had. So, yeah, I don't know. I do like that a lot. I do like that a lot more um, because I do think that third year to me would matter too because I just, I don't think the Bulls are going to accomplish much in the next two years that would like, Mike Conley's on the downside of his career, basically. Holiday, with that third year, like I could see the Bulls doing something three seasons from now that's a little bit bigger. And when you do that, and then people like the system, like the culture, and maybe you fell just short of making the Eastern Conference Finals or just short in the Eastern Conference Finals, like everyone's got that feeling, hey, let's run this back. We can do this. We're almost there. Lowry Markkinen's really blossoming into his prime, and we understand each other now. So holiday makes a lot more sense. It doesn't make sense to me with the, you got 21, maybe $24 million in cap space. Like if you're the bulls, just go get a veteran point guard in free agency. That's like 80, 85% as productive and as Mike Conley. And you're, you're going to still end up in the same spot, maybe a couple games out of a playoff berth instead of chasing that eight seed and getting it. But to me, that takes care of a lot of the problem. Like I look at the point guard thing as like, have a capable, competent point guard, foster 
through development of Wendell Carter, Lowry Markinen, and these guys. And you can do that for less than the cost of Mike Conley and money and draft. Right. So I think that's a perfect segue to, I was going to actually ask just about the free agent market for point guards. Is there anybody that you would prefer? We're watching uh, the Bucks right now. Like, would you want them to maybe make a run at Malcolm Brogdon? We saw uh, Darnell reported possible interest in Terry Rozier, which I do not really, not a big, huge fan of that. There's, Darren Collison, Ricky Rubio, Patrick Beverly, D. Rose is out there. So which of these guys would do you think the Bulls should target? I I love the idea of chasing Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, we know how efficient he is when you throw up the 50-40-90 line. Uh, has had some injury concerns, obviously, these past couple of years, so I get that. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about him. How much do you think it would take for the Bulls to get him in restricted free agency? Like, what would they have to offer out of their $21, $22, 3000000 dollars that they would have? open or so because I think it'd be a high cost you'd like have to pay the tax on it to get him away from the bucks you right, know what yeah, I mean yeah. because that is the, the market yeah. value they're just gonna yeah match. that's that is my concern about it I think he the target makes sense I I know there's some concern about his creation skills and all that like he's not I don't know maybe he's not a, quite the pure point guard you're looking for but the efficiency and playing like off Levine I think would make so much sense solid two-way player but yeah I mean because the bucks are gonna have I, I know some of their own tax issues they they got to pay Middleton. They already gave Bledsoe this big extension, which is looking disastrous right now. Uh, Nico's a free agent. I would assume that they're not going to bring him back. I know Brooke, Brooke Lopez is a free agent. Like they have a ton of free agents. Bring up. I saw a rumor today yeah. about Tony Snell. They need to get. There's he's they're paying him like twenty million bucks over the next two years. I think because they gave him like a four year forty million extension. I totally forgot about that. He's has been totally out of the rotation. So like they got a lot of guys making a decent amount of money. They got to pay guys. So I'm, I guess it depends on how willing they are to go into the tax. I, I feel like yeah, – I mean, I don't think – they're not going to blink at $15 million a yeah, year. That's, that's the thing. So, like, is it going to take the full – your full cap space, $20 million? And, and at that point, like, is he worth that? Like, I think he's really good, but are you doing four years, $80 million for Brockton? And basically, like, four, yeah, I mean, if it's your whole cap space, it's basically, what, four years, $80 million, four years, eighty-five, like – I like I don't know about that. That might be what it takes to get the Bucks to say no, and that's where that's where it's kind of tough in this situation. I think he'd fit. I think I would do that just because I I know that's big, but like we know the salary caps going up. The longer yeah. these goes, the better the deals look. And the other reason I think he's just I think Brogdon would fit really well next to Zach Levine because we saw it last year. Like Zach Levine and the Bulls don't want him to be the full-time point guard, but he likes the ball in his hands a lot. And Mike Conley, again, back to him, um, like he needs that ball in his hands a lot too. Like he wouldn't be the best fit next to Levine in my mind. Whereas Brogdon, I mean, when you can hit over 40% from three-point land um, and be a two-way player like he is, and your question mark is your creation ability from play to play all the time, like that fits well next to Zach Levine to me. And Zach's got three more years left on his contract. The Bulls have gone a long way to embolden and empower him at times and at other times rein him in. He's put a lot of resources into him, um, it feels like, not just from a financial standpoint, but just from a personal standpoint uh, and trying to get on the same page uh, with him and everything. So I think Brogdon is an example of helping that. You mentioned Terry Rozier. Want nothing of him. Like I can't shoot. He's, he's Chris Dunn to me, basically, maybe better at defense and a little better, a bit better at offense, but same questions. Um, I like all the other guys. Most of the other guys you mentioned, like Darren Collison, I think is a fit. I think Patrick Beverly is a good fit. Um, I don't like D Rose coming back. Uh, the Bulls wanted to get away from that 
circus, for lack of a better word, a few years ago when they traded him to the Knicks, just the daily grind uh, that it had been with the storylines and narrative following him around everywhere uh, and his off-the-floor troubles uh, as well in these ensuing years. So um, I don't see him coming back either. Ricky Rubio, I don't know. Like, he needs the ball in his hands too, I feel like. But you Can't need a really professional. Shoot. I'm not a big fan of Rubio either. You strike out on everyone else, maybe, yeah. but like I prioritize Brogdon. I'd prioritize um obviously we just mentioned Collison and yeah. Beverly is who I prioritize the Bulls. I'm kinda right there with you. I'm with you on the D Rose thing, I gotta stay away. Speaking of moving on, obviously this is just kind of a joke. There was the whole I'm assuming you saw the Jimmy Butler, Jim Boylan photo. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, uh, great, great photo. I love those. Those are my and favorite. And I was like, Oh, would you want Jimmy Butler back in the Bulls and just like Come on, people! Like Jimmy Butler's not coming back. The Bulls don't want him back. He doesn't want to come back. He's he's, Jimmy Butler's not going to go from whatever a good Sixers team and all the rumors about the Lakers or whatever and all that stuff to coming back to the Bulls. We're like, pretty sure he. I don't. You probably know more than this, but there's all the stuff out there. But all his was it his agent or his workout guy trashing Gar Foreman? I know. I think Cowley put out reports about how like Gar Foreman lied to Jimmy Butler. It's like, come on, guys! Like Jimmy Butler's not coming back to the Bulls. No, I think Jimmy should go around anyone that is associated with the Bulls organization and just take selfies with them the whole summer, though. <laughs> just like, troll. Rile up the internet. I do. I, I love how it went from it didn't. It wasn't like zero to sixty. It was like zero to a hundred immediately. Is Jimmy Butler coming back to the Bulls based on this photo. Um, so it was good stuff. But no, um, same thing with him. I mean, he was high maintenance at times. Some of that's because his relationship with Fred Hoiberg wasn't good from a basketball standpoint. Uh, all the time but he's not coming back they don't want him back not because they don't respect him but just because they obviously moved on uh, but you know I mean they need to start getting guys like Jimmy Butler's talent level to consider (laughs) like if you're going to strike out on it's one thing to strike out on Kevin Durant and the the, the A-list targets but um, that next tier the Bulls should be an organization uh, in the mix, in the picture, selling these guys, getting meetings with that type of player, that uh, Jimmy Butler, guys at his level. I guess, on, and I guess on that point, then, like, obviously this is coming out of nowhere. We talk about point guards. So, like, if the Bulls were able to dump salary, would you make try to make a run at Kemba? Or do you think he would give the Bulls the time of day? I think Kemba would give them the time of day. I do. I think New York would be the priority for him. The Knicks are... Uh, obviously I mean, if Kyrie the goes there, I mean, he's not going there if Kyrie goes there. I would think not. Yeah, that, that that's very true. Um, I mean, places like who? Dallas needs a point guard. Or, I mean, once another yeah. court mate, I be the best way to put it for Luka Doncic. He plays a lot of point guard um, for them. So, I, I do think Kemba give him the time of day, though. Like, I think Kemba believes he's good enough to play alongside. If he looks at a team that has Otto Porter – uh, Zach Levine and some of the young talent the Bulls have in marketing and Carter. Like, he looks at that and goes, yeah, I can lead this team to the playoffs. We can be good. I don't, I don't think he thinks he's going to get a championship, but he's not looking for a championship on his next contract. Probably he's looking to get paid. Everyone's looking for a championship, but I just, I have a feeling with him, like he, he wants to make the playoffs. Right, he wants yeah. to be important. Yeah. And I think he'd give the, I think he would give the Bulls the time of day. I, I think it'd still be tough for them because, again, he doesn't fit the timeline perfectly either. Like, right when he really gets on his downside and his contract in the later years becomes bad is when you'd want to fit guys around Markinen and Carter's contracts. 
um, on quality deals and whoever they draft in the first round this year. So I, I think the timeline's a bit off for him. Yeah, it makes sense. A uh, little more here. I guess Jim Boylan extension. I know you've tweeted about how like J- about Jim Boylan and how he's uh, super entertaining for you guys. All the quotes, Jim Boylanisms. I guess, what do you make of the Boylan extension and what is your favorite Jim Boylanism? Um, oh, my favorite Jim Boylan is I did like how that when you introduced me on the podcast, um, you have terrific quotes like I feel like we each on the beat kind of have a lane that um, we fill, you know, and sometimes my lane, I'm called upon to get the Jim Boylanisms out as quickly as possible to the people. Um, Man of the people. So I take great, I great, I take great pride in that, that people appreciate it like you. Um, what, what was it? I, my job is to prepare the child oh, for the road for the child. I really liked that one. Um, not because it was unheard of, like in history, like he didn't actually make it up or whatever, but like no one ever uses yeah. it, you know, like Jim Boylan bringing things back into style. I really like everyone loves the spirit stuff, but that's just kind of played out by now. Um, but as it pertains to his contract extension, I, it didn't make sense to me. Um, I think he needs to prove more as a tactician before you um, commit to him long-term. And I, we don't know how long-term the Bulls committed to him because they weren't proud enough to say how many right. years. I think Cowley reported that maybe three years, basically starting next year, they basically ripped up this deal and he'll start a three-year deal next year. That's like that's like all yeah, I saw on it. That's, that's the feeling I have on it from reading Cowley as well, who has done – um, the best reporting on all of this um, with Jim Boylan, but it just didn't make sense. Like I like to, I need to give him praise. He did come in and establish a better culture of accountability. And I believe that matters, especially matters with the young team. I do think he's been very good at communicating with his players and they've had some good stretches. I just don't see the vision from him playing out on the floor consistently enough um, for the Bulls to commit uh, long-term like that. So I would have just had him run it back on a prove-it deal one more year. Like, do the Bulls actually execute, implement and execute um, the vision for shooting more three-pointers, for defending the three-point line better, um, for getting better shots in different areas on the floor? Like, you can't throw it to Robin Lopez every other possession for the first half of a game and then act like you're with it in the modern NBA. Like, I understand the team was terrible, but I would have rather seen, like, Walt Lemon Jr. shooting three-pointers that were terrible in the flow of the offense rather than throwing it to Robin Lopez or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought he, he left so much to be desired from a basketball standpoint that the extension was short-sighted and um, just wrong to do at this point. I would have made him prove it, prove more um, before I would have moved forward with that. And – I just think in general, like no matter what industry you're in, like taking the guy that's already in your organization and not opening up, opening up an open position to the best and the brightest just to see, to get their ideas, um, to see if there's someone better out there. It doesn't make any sense to me, whatever, from a logical yeah, I mean, they haven't done a real coaching search since basically Thibs, like, which is crazy. Like it, it went really well too. Like the last time the Bulls did a real coaching search, it, I mean, they hit it out of yeah. the park. I mean, perfect for Tibbs at that time was perfect for the Bulls yeah it does not I agree it does not make sense I guess I do kind of like 
the hire of Chris Fleming, uh, Nets assistant coach, who's also with the Nuggets at one point. Like the Nets, we know have bit, they built a culture. They made the playoffs here. They play fast. They shoot a bunch of threes. So I guess hoping that Fleming's uh, presence there will maybe rub off on Boylan and help the offense become a more modern, more three pointers. Do you think that's that's anything? Like, do you like that hired? Uh, do you think he'll help the offense become more modern? I like it. I do. Um, I like everything the Nets have done the last few years from a player development standpoint. So I think uh, that will maybe be his biggest responsibility. I know everyone's going to the offensive strategy and defensive strategy, stuff like that. But I actually think just him being in that sort of culture um, that, you know, kind of made some of the, they made their own all-star really in yeah. D'Angelo Russell guys that were kind of bargain bin or scrap heap guys step up and be real big contributors. So I think that's great for the Bulls uh, to hire him. And I think he had experience with the Nuggets yeah. before that when they, weren't taking off yet, but when they were laying the foundation for being the two seed in the West this year and such. So like his background, everything I've heard about him has been good um, so far. It sounded like everyone in Brooklyn was sad to lose him as an assistant, which like that's as good of a praise as you can get if you're the Bulls, you know, taking guys that other teams want uh, to keep. So uh, he should help. I hope he helps these young guys because their growth was stunted a lot last year. It just felt like, and that's what happens with the coaching change and so much turnover. And really, I mean, the Bulls, once they fired Hoiberg, their assistant staff was like, I mean, it was a mess, you know, like Randy yeah. Brown resigned shortly thereafter too. And people are getting moved up from the G League, new responsibility mid-season. It was out of whack. So they do, they really need stability there and he should help yeah. provide that. Looks like a bit of news today. The coaching staff lost Pete Myers. He's been around forever, right? I don't know exactly off the top yeah. of my head, but so they'll have another person to add. I know, and I know they, they went after the Texas tech dude. Uh, and he's unfortunately he said, no, I can't remember what his name was. Do you remember his name? Mark Adams. Yeah. I yeah that would have been, I feel like that would have been a really nice hire as well. Texas tech had the best defense in the country this past year. So that was kind of unfortunate. So he's still got some staff to build out here. And I guess, uh, but at least Fleming is a good start at least. So we'll see. Uh, to wrap up here, I guess just looking at ahead to next season, I, we obviously still need to have the draft and free agency and all that. Just based on, I guess, just like a normal offseason, they take somebody at seven, they don't make any like big crazy trades, and then whatever, they add a few, they add a point guard, they add some other veterans. I guess, what do you think will happen to, will be the Bulls record next season? Like, do you think they can make the playoffs? Do you think they're still just super far away? Like, I'm more in like, the, I think they'll take a jump, but like, I, I feel like they're so, so far away where they're still not going to be that good. So where do you think they end up, assuming that it's just like a normal offseason? Well, yeah, for the purpose of this exercise, let's say they get Patrick Beverly. Yeah, sure. Someone I think fits next to Zach Levine, a better point guard. Um, I that say I think he's most likely to end up in Chicago to address the point guard position, but I think that would be a normal offseason. Um, add another veteran on the bench. Like, the bench was so thin last yeah. year. Or injuries and stuff. Like, add another veteran on the bench just to play this number seven, eight-man minutes on the team or whatnot. Um, I, I don't think it's a playoff team yet. Um, and I think that because Jim Boylan's system, like I can see them jumping up by way of better health is should definitely be For like sure. five, seven more wins from 22 Patrick Beverly and just having a uh, consistent point guard play. I mean, you easily add five wins on that. Like you're looking like this is again, best case scenario. You're at like 34, 35 now with good health and a good point guard, better bench and everything. But to to elevate from like 
that nine, 10 seed range in the East to being a playoff team, uh, their style would have to um, become much more efficient in the way they play on the floor offensively and defensively. And we overlook this at times. Bulls were a mess defensively for long stretches. Oh, yeah. Basically too. all season. They had that like one decent stretch uh, when Boylan yeah. was first hired. And besides that, it was awful. I know Wendell was hurt for a while, but I mean, he, I, they were good with Robin Lopez was a better. I know Carter looked really good. He looked promising, but I mean, Lopez, I think his like defensive numbers were better overall and he's a solid veteran knows what he's doing, but it's overall the defense was mostly a mess. And like that, they still have a long way to go to make that better. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, Good health, everything goes right, but they still do the things. They're still Jim Boiling. <laughs> I don't think that's a word, but you get the yeah. idea. Like 36, 38 wins at best, and we know their health probably isn't going to be good all season, and we don't know if they'll sign the right point guard. Uh, we don't know if there will be another near mutiny or sort of regression by way of people upset in the advocate center. So uh, I don't see them being a playoff team next year. I think they should be in the playoff hunt the whole season. I don't think they should be shutting people down in March. Like they should at least see the eight seed and be like three or four back and playing hard and playing for something every night. If they're not, it's another step back and another stall in the rebuild um, for them. But uh, I still don't think they're quite a playoff team next year. And even if everything goes yeah, right. Yeah, totally, totally fair. I thought they were going to be – I feel like next year is probably what I'm – or I think they're going to be what I was hoping they were going to be this year, which was basically – like I did like an over-under bet thing with my friend, and I had, had like 34 and a half, and I took, I took the over because I thought maybe they could get to like 35 wins. So I feel like that's probably yeah. where I think they'll end up next season, which I think obviously is still short – like that would be probably right around the playoffs that end up like four, five, six games out, which – I mean, you, if you jump up by 13 wins like that, like, I think that's progress. Like, I think that'd be fine. I know some optimistic fans think they can be a playoff team and win 40 to 45 games. Like, I think that's crazy. That's 20, 25 win jumps just don't happen very often unless you're, like, adding Kevin Durant. So, like, if they added 10 to 15 wins and they're, like, in the mix, like you said, like, I think that'd be a good season. So, I I was kind of just – I was off in my predictions thinking they would be better than they were, obviously, because, like – the year before, I was like, oh, 27 wins, and they were literally trying to yeah. lose in this. Re- like, if they try to win, that's worth a few more wins, and then it just what went. Shit. <laughs> but, hey, before we end it, you said what's my favorite Jim Boylanism. Yes. What's your Oh, God. I really do love Jacked and Juiced. I don't know. I, oh, I, I, yeah. I, there's, there's just so many. Like, I'd have to- I know Stefan Noe did that awesome thing at the Athletic, just compiling all this stuff. And obviously, yeah. you've been compiling it as well on Twitter all these times. Like, there's just so many good ones. Jack and Juice, I don't know why. It's just, it's just really funny to me. It just sounds so meatball and so goofy. You say that, and I feel like now I need to create one Twitter thread string of spirit references for a whole year. Do it. Every time, just go back to the same one and add. Like, it'd be like 450 tweets by the end please, of the year. Please do it. That'd be a great project. Ah, I love it. This is why we do podcasts to come up with great ideas like that. Absolutely. So uh, I think we're good here. Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Let the people know where they could find your work, your Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, 670thescore.com backslash Bulls is uh, our Bulls website. We're the home of the Chicago Bulls. You can hear all the Bulls games on 670 Score. As long as the Cubs, I guess, aren't in the playoffs. Um, I think they might take precedence sometimes with on-air play-by-play rights um but yeah and then check me out on twitter at cody westerland and that's westerland with a u 
at the end. But uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on, Jason. Uh, it was a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And we will be sure to do this again. Uh, and that'll be for all for Cast Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to Blue Wire Network, Podcast Network. You can follow them, uh, follow us on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Tons of good basketball podcasts are on the network. We got our Blue Wire Buckets Playoff Pod. I was just on it earlier this week. A lot of fun to talk with some of the guys on there. And then, of course, we've got a bunch of teams. We got Warriors, we got Bucks, a bunch of other teams out there. So please be sure to check out. Check out Blue Wire, and in terms of cash considerations, please go rate and review us. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. Uh, we also post post these on bloggable.com, so p- tons of places you could find cash considerations. So this was Jason, Ricky was on earlier, and Cody, thank you so much again. Have a good night.